Hello and welcome to the Gathering's Message of the Week. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that through these messages, God would inspire, challenge, and encourage you. For more information about our church, please visit gatheringtohim.org. That's gathering2him.org. Enjoy and be blessed. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we pray that this morning you would illuminate your heart to us. God, that we would know what you're speaking, what you're revealing for us specifically, Lord. Every single one of us comes here, God, with needs, and you know the deepest parts of us. God, we don't even know some of our needs, but you know us better than we know ourselves. And so today, today we come to eat at your table, to, to hear your voice, to receive what you're saying, and be changed by your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Romans chapter 4. You know what? Before we go there, uh, <laughs> just can't help it. felt like the Lord was speaking this during uh, worship, so... This is uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have not come to Mount, or you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. You know, I feel like sometimes we live in this place, we we sometimes live our lives in this, uh, this place of fear, and uh, we think of God, we, we start living under the gloom and doom kind of thing. And uh, we have a new covenant in Christ Jesus. We don't live under the gloom and doom thing. We, it says we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Aren't you glad that it's a joyful gathering? I am. Because... We're part of something that should make us full of joy. That God has given us new life in Him. And see, there's a big contrast between the old and the new. The old is under the law. We are under the freedom of of adoption and grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? It says that we come to this joyful gathering. We have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children Guess what? We're not there as guests. That's who we are. We've come to this assembly because we're part of it. We've been invited because we belong there. Whose names are written in heaven. Amen? It says that you have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness. Amen? Forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. I just want to break off any heaviness that's on you today. In the name of Jesus, we just declare you free from the spirit of uh, the law, the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of fear. Because God wants you to understand you have come to a joyful gathering in Him. Because you're free. You've come to forgiveness and redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about faith. Uh, 
Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work for their wages... Their work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. The people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Jumping down to verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him. I have made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That is one of my favorite verses. I love Abraham believed in the God who was able to bring the dead back to life and create new things out of nothing. Because he believed that, because he looked foolish in the sight of the world, God said, You're mine. You belong to me. It wasn't because Abraham was perfect. It wasn't because he fulfilled the law of God, which, by the way, didn't exist yet. You understand that? In Abraham's day, they had not received the law. Abraham was living apart from the law. But Abraham failed God on several occasions in little tiny ways that we might think, but also in some big ways. Yet, I mean, we know that Abraham, you know, he deceived some people. He lied. He was scared. He did what people do. He messed up. We also know that he ended up, through his lack of uh, obedience to God, I guess, you would call it that, and faith, ended up with, his servant Hagar birthing an Ishmael. We would call it an Ishmael. That's what you do uh, when it's not an act of faith. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But this is what Abraham did. Yet God counted him as righteous because he continued to believe what God said. He continued to believe that God was going to do what he said, which was make him the father of a great nation. Amen? So, what I want to highlight is, it says in this passage that the promise is received by faith. How many of you have felt like God has ever spoken any kind of a promise to you? About half our congregation, huh? So, I believe that God has spoken a promise to everybody here. But God has spoken promises to us, and sometimes... And in in the moment, we're like, yes, yes. But sometimes, through our discouragement, we become, you know, time erodes things. And, and, you know, we start thinking, you know, maybe this isn't God. Or maybe I'm not worthy of that. Or maybe God's just not going to do that. But, or maybe God's waiting on me to, to work everything out. You know, to get my life right. To do it just perfect. God's waiting on me for that, right? But that's not what it says about Abraham says it didn't happen because of his good works. It happened because of his faith. Because he continued to believe God. I want to read something to you. This is Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 8. 
Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he was giving them some instruction. He said, listen, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon would be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, Will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Now, this is a curious passage to me. And the Lord spoke to me about this and said, you know, we often look at this and we think, you know, okay, these people are carrying the message of the Lord into a town. And God says, listen, I'm backing you from heaven. And listen, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah would be better off than these people. That's how wicked they are, right? I want to twist it a little bit. I want you to get to, you know, I want you to understand why God is so upset at them when, when his messenger comes into town and they refuse the messenger. Here's why God is upset. You see, think, think about this. Sodom and Gomorrah. What level of wickedness are we talking about? It's pretty high. This is like bad. This is where people are you know, don't care about anybody else, only the flesh, only what they can get, only, you know, things have been uh, lost. You know, the, the, the morality of mankind has been lost. Even on the base level, it's all been lost. It's gone. They're willing to rape people for mere pleasure, you know, gang rape people. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're going to do whatever it is they need to do to satisfy their own fleshly desires. And this is okay to them. It's okay. Yet, God says about Capernaum. I don't know that there's any stories like that. I haven't heard any in the scriptures. Any stories like there were about Sodom and Gomorrah. But think about this. He's comparing Capernaum with those places and saying, listen, they're going to be better off than you. Why? Because the messenger came into town carrying the message of God. And they did not believe or receive what God had to say. Did you, think, did you hear what I said? You think about that for a moment. You see, you have to understand that God is concerned about faith. Faith. He's concerned about faith. I know some of you are like, well, he's concerned about Sodom and Gomorrah too. I understand and I agree. I agree. But please, get what I'm saying. God says on the day of judgment, it's going to be better for that, those groups of people, than it will be for people who do not believe what he has said. Who do not receive the message or the messenger that God sent to him. The reason is, is because God has established that faith is the place where righteousness begins. That's where righteousness begins. When you believe what he says, this is the base level of righteousness. This is why Abraham was counted righteous because he believed what God said. Amen? So, if we look at some other passages which we're going to Jump around here a little bit. Galatians chapter 4. By the way, this comes up quite a bit in the scriptures, and we're not going to touch near all of them. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? 
The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. By the way, this should speak volumes uh, to everyone. He was talking about the earthly Jerusalem versus the heavenly Jerusalem. Earthly, heavenly. Okay. So now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman. You who have never given birth, break into a joyful shout for you have ne- who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Which, by the way, I believe that that's a word of promise to us. The desolate will now have more than those who have. All right? So this is what I'm getting at. In this passage, it talks about the difference between the slave-born and the free-born. A while back, I was praying and, and seeking God, and, and in that moment, he spoke to me, and he said, <clears throat> he said, you are not bound. You are not bound to the law. You are not under the law. And I thought to myself, man, I didn't think I, didn't think I was. I didn't think I felt that in my heart or lived that way. But the Lord said, you are not under the law. You are not a slave to the law. But you are free because you are a son. You are free because you are a son. And the Lord, I I believe that this is the word of the Lord for us that we need to get in our hearts. That we are born free into Christ's kingdom. We're not born under the law of accomplishment, of fulfillment, the law of I've got to do it, I've got to, to... clean myself up and make myself... You know, we're not born that way. That's not how we come to a new birth. We come to new birth by faith in Christ Jesus. And the word here is that these two women representing... uh, One was the slave, Hagar, which we just mentioned a little bit ago. uh, Actually, Abraham slept with her and produced a son. After not having a son for years and years, where God said, I'm going to give you and Sarah a son. And you're going to become the father of a great nation. Many. So because of his discouragement, because time had been going on, and and because of his wife's discouragement, uh, both of them came up with this plan and decided, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, you're going to sleep with my maidservant. This is what Sarah says. And then I will have a son through her. You'll have a son through her. This, maybe this is what God meant. And see, the reality of that is, is they birthed an Ishmael. This was not God's plan. Came trouble for them and for many generations since. It's been trouble. You know, since this, this was his act of, of trying to fulfill what God had said to him. He was trying to do what God had promised because he was discouraged and thought, maybe God isn't going to do what he said. After all, he needs help from me. And sometimes that's how we think. We sometimes think, God needs help from me. I've got to get this done. He's just not doing what he needs to do. I've got to rise up and make this happen. So what I want to say to you is, and this is what this passage tells us, that the slave-born, the slave-born, those who are under the law, represent those who work to fulfill God's promise themselves. Do you hear me? That's what this passage actually says. Those who work to fulfill God's promise themselves are actually under the law. 
I didn't used to think that, but now I've read this passage, and, you know, it makes it clearer to me. You know, maybe we need to just back off a little bit. Maybe we just need to trust God, thank Him for His promise. Maybe we need to back off from trying to push ahead all the time. We're going to make this happen. We're going to get this done. Because the result of that is, eventually, we keep going down that road. We are going to birth an Ishmael. God would want us, rather, to trust him to fulfill his promise. Because that's what he does. He will fulfill his word to us. I have people all the time, you know, uh, they get really discouraged because, you know, maybe they haven't seen yet the full fulfillment of what they believe God has spoken to them for their life, their you know, I really want to see this happen. I really believe this is going to happen. And it just hasn't happened yet. So they get discouraged and they're, you know, all frustrated. And sometimes they get so discouraged that they, they start moving out of their position. They start moving. I've got to move from this position. When God didn't really say to move from this, but they, they think that all of, the, all of the outward signs are telling them, I've got to move from this position because there's just too much pressure. This isn't good for me. I've got to do something different because this isn't working, God. You're not doing it. And God says, it's not about your work. It's not about you accomplishing. It's about faith in me, believing what I say. And I think that sometimes we get carried away. And because we do that, we end up with an Ishmael on our hands, which causes a lot of problems. A lot of things that we... God still fulfilled his promise to Abraham. because. He came back to believing. He stood and he did not move. He believed, okay, this, okay God's still going to do it because God reiterated the promise to him. He says, okay, God, I believe you. But a son is different than a slave, obviously, right? Slaves aren't natural heirs. They have to kind of win the favor of the father of the house. That's what happens. If you're a really, really great slave, you're going you're gonna to get some type of blessing from them. Some type of inheritance. That's how that sometimes works. It's very slim probability, but it sometimes works that way that a slave, a really exceptional slave, would sometimes get, you know, that was really endeared to the heart of the, the master of the house, would, and especially if they were, they were low on heirs, I'm looking to give my wealth to somewhere else. I'll give, it to, I'll give some to my slave. That's even what Abraham said. God, this is my, is my inheritance. Everything I have, is it going to go to my slave? Is that where I'm going to give it? But here's the reality, is that a son, a son is born into promise. It's not achieved. You're born into it. And this is hard. Because we like to hear, we, it's easier for us to hear a message where we feel like we've, somebody has earned something. I believe in reward. There's a reward for things that we do. But when it comes to salvation, you understand? We are born in the promise. We, we need to return to the message of because the message, when we have the message of faith in our heart, this is the only way, by the way, the only way that we will actually feel secure in salvation. Because if it is based on how well you're doing at the time, today you might be saved, tomorrow you might not be. Today you might be walking with God, tomorrow I don't know. You know, I failed, I slipped up, is God really still for me? I don't know if he is. Listen, you were not born a slave. My daddy, you know, whenever I was young, my daddy, okay, so there were times that I did slip up. I mean, he spanked me or he corrected me or did whatever, but it didn't change the fact that I was his son. I was his son. And the only way that I could deny being a son was if I just basically took everything I had left and just disowned my pet, just walked away. You understand? I'm a son because he has received me and accepted me, and I am an heir because he has received me and accepted me. Slaveborn worked to accomplish the promise. 
Those who are born free trust in God to fulfill his promise. They trust him to fulfill his promise. He will fulfill his promise. People oftentimes get out of step because they think God is being slow or he's, you know, they get frustrated and so they, you know, you'll find that there isn't consistency in their life. Serious. There's not a lot of consistency sometimes in people's life like that. So they move out of position, you know, jump back and forth, they do various things. And, but God says, listen, I'm, I'm, at, I'm calling you to be consistent. I'm calling you to be consistent in this one thing, that you trust me, that you trust me. Okay, so this is also faith versus fear. Right? You understand the difference? So faith is believing what God says, resting and trusting in that. Fear is again, it's back to the fact, fear that God isn't going to fulfill what he said. He needs my help. I'm going to do it. I'm going to accomplish it. Um, in the beginning with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were given a promise. The promise was that God was uh, given them all of the fruit of the garden, all of the all of the fruit from every tree they could eat from. And we know that there had to have been thousands of varieties. They could have eaten from anything they wanted. It was all theirs. They could eat it. Take it free. It's eat. Just eat. It's free. It's all free. You know, that's sonship. It's yours. You know how I know that's true? Because Jesus used the same illustration in the New Testament. He said this. He said, listen, the one son asked for his inheritance, went out and spent it all, blew it all. The other son, when he came back, the other son was there, you know, and he, this was the older son, and he was upset when the, new, when the young son came back and received forgiveness and got all this blessing back, right? And so his dad had to bring him outside of the party and say, listen, what is going on? Why are you upset with me? And the son said, listen, all this time I've been here, I didn't go out and squander all my living, but you never even gave me one young goat. You killed the fatted calf for him but never even gave me one measly little young goat for me to throw a party with my friends. Do you know what the father said to him? He said, son, everything I have is already yours. Listen, that is sonship. Sonship is understanding that everything that the father has is ours. It belongs to us. Not because we worked for it or earned it, but because we're his children. Because we belong to him by faith. Because we trust in him for what he has given to us. I've used this illustration before, but it's one of my favorite ones. But, you know, when my dad was alive, I could travel all the way down to Maryland where he's, you know, him and my mom lived. I could go into his house. He couldn't, he didn't even have to be home. Because I had a key. I could go right into his house and I could use any tool that he had. I could take it, probably borrow it. He wouldn't even care. You know, borrow it. I could eat the food in his house. And he would say, that's okay. If I'm not there and I ate the food in his house, he'd say, that's fine. Why? Because I'm still his son. Do you understand sonship? That you belong to him by faith and everything that he has is yours by faith. By faith. So, Eve, seeing all that God had given to her and we know that God had given them every tree except one. God said, don't eat of this tree. Why? Because God didn't want a bunch of robots. He wanted them to be able to say, I choose to be in relationship with you. And this is the measure of my choosing. I won't touch it because this is where I want you. But God gave thousands of trees that they could have eaten from. But there's just this one, don't touch. And so they began to believe because of what the enemy was saying. Listen, God's withholding something from me. He's keeping something from me. He's not doing what he said he's done, which was make me into his image. So the enemy comes along and says, listen, did God really say this or that or the other thing? And so after a while, she begins to doubt. She begins to have these fears that maybe I'm not exactly who God said I was. Maybe I'm not made in his image. Maybe I'm not like him. Maybe that's not it. And, all, and the tree was good. And it's going to make me to become like God. I should take it and eat it. Even though God said, do not do that. 
So the word was, eat of all the trees of the garden. Anything you want, just don't eat of this tree. And the word of the enemy was, eat of this tree, it'll make you to be like God. And she began to doubt what God said and believe what the enemy said. And when she did, she saw that the tree, that it was good to eat, the fruit was good to eat, and she took it and she ate it, and it would make her to be like God. This is all that she believed. So her belief affected her response. Right? Where was the first sin? The first sin wasn't in the fact that she took the fruit and ate it. The first sin was that she believed what the devil told her rather than what God said. Don't tell me that God isn't concerned about faith. It's the foundation of all, all that we trust in, all that we know about God. He says, I want you to believe what I say. I want you to believe what I say because I am the truth. So she began to fear that something was wrong, something that God said was not real. It wasn't actual. It wasn't true. And what the enemy was saying, so she, she picked up some other version of truth. And began to take it for herself. And because of that, she ended up eating of the tree. And of course, we know that wasn't good. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't become like the world. You can say, okay, I'm not going to be like the world. We just had some talk about that, you know, like fasting and not be. We're not going to be attached to the world. Well, I'm not going to be. I'm going to choose not to be attached to the world. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. I give you about five minutes there. It's not going to happen. I am not going to be conformed to this world. Liar. Because if you're doing that in your own strength and your own ability, you are absolutely going to fail. It says, don't be conformed to this world. and goes on and says, but instead, this is what we should do. Remember, God doesn't give us a no without a directional yes. He's always putting our hand to something because we need purpose. It's don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New Living Translation says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let Him do it. Let Him change the way you think. How does God change the way you think? How do you let him change the way you think? By his word. His word. His word. And when we believe what God says to us, when we believe what he says, first step, God counts us as righteous. Second step, your faith your belief system, whatever you believe, you will become. According to your faith, be it unto you, Jesus said. Faith is the key. You think I'm not going anywhere with this, I know. But I'm back to what we were talking about earlier with the salvation of the lost. Listen, a lot of people think that people got to get things right. They got to figure it out before they can be part of our circle. They, they have to be, you know, a certain way. They have to be, you know, they have to be cleaned up. That is just a lie from the enemy. It's not how it works with us. It's not how it works in the kingdom. God says, listen, it begins with faith. Faith is the measure. Faith is the measure of their righteousness. And at faith, when they begin to believe what I say, then everything becomes transformed in their life. It's not the opposite. It's not... Well, I'll get my life figured out, and I'll, uh, then I'll be able to come to God. If you believe that, you're under the law. Again, you're trying to make it happen on your own. This is back to you doing some things versus God. Now, I'm flipping back to all of the promises of God versus the one promise of salvation. Okay, I've been doing that the whole time. So this is, this is for every promise, though. I believe that God wants us to trust him to fulfill what he says. Don't be conformed to this world, but allow God to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And that happens through the word of God, believing what God says. Romans 10, 7 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith, 
Faith is very important, but I can't have faith unless I'm hearing the Word of God. So the Word of God is what transforms me as long as I believe and receive what He says. Now, sometimes we would say faith is the measure. God gives us a measure of faith, and I do believe that. But I also believe that faith is a choice. I believe it's a choice. I believe that we also can choose to believe certain things. I'm talking to us as believers. Um, So I believe that there are things that when God speaks to us, we have the opportunity to believe what he says. And according to our faith, Jesus says, it will be unto us. Isn't it interesting? Jesus had people come up to him and they were like, you know, I've got this problem. You know, we had one guy, uh, they were bringing uh, to Jesus and, and he, was, he wanted Jesus to heal his child. And the child was sick before he talked to Jesus. And as he was coming to Jesus, the child died. And he got this report that his child's dead. Don't bother the teacher, the child's dead. Jesus says, hey, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Why? Because fear is the opposite. of It's actually believing what the enemy says. Don't be afraid. Put away fear. Only believe. Only. That was Smith Wigglesworth, one of his favorite lines. Only believe. Only. If we only believe, just only believe. Jesus says only believe. And then, of course, we know his response. How many of you know his response? Go ahead, Don. Amen. I believe, help my unbelief. You know, I'm scared here. This, I'm not sure, but I, I believe you. I want to believe you, but help my unbelief. God will even work with that. You know, there's this idea of, you know, God wanting us to begin to believe him. We know, he knows our fears. He knows we're weak in the flesh. He knows we are. But listen, if we will just begin to agree with what he says, even through our fears, the enemy's whispering in our ear, but we're putting him to stop it. In the name of Jesus, I believe what he says. I believe what he says. I command the devil to be silent. And Father, I thank you for what you say. And a whole lot would get right in our life if we did that more. If we could just silence the enemy, if we could muzzle the enemy so as not to stir up the flesh. It's already inside of us. We want to we run anyway. We want to do the opposite of what God says. It's, it, it's the sin, nature, you know, apart from the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to reveal God's word to us, his truth to us. But we need to start silencing the enemy. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So it is the word and listening to the word, but we've got to believe and receive it. And here's the last thing I want to say. This is taken from John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, For all who have, who, all who have believed and received have been given the right to become children, sons of God. Listen, again, we're talking about our inheritance. Talking about an inheritance that we receive through sonship. And how do we receive sonship? Through faith. That Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, came and died for you and me. And for all who will believe, put their trust in Him. To all who will believe and receive His sacrifice for our sin. You know, we deserve punishment, but He took it. Because we put our faith in him, he says, listen, you're my child. And here's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it begins. But if I'm truly believing, I truly have received and believed, that's going to equal a transformed life. Somebody says, oh yeah, I've received Jesus. I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And nothing is changing in their life. Nothing. You ain't fooling me. 
the Bible says that the word will go out and accomplish everything it intends to accomplish. That means it will have its way. So what would stop it from having its way in my life? Fear, lack of faith in what God says. So yeah, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he is the Christ, but nothing is changing in my life. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. You can't. Okay, Jesus made it very clear. A lot of times we go, well, how do we know if a person's saved? It's very simple. You know a tree by its fruit, don't you? So if they're producing good fruit, it's a good tree. If it's producing bad fruit, it's a bad tree. So there should be evidence of things changing in your life because I'm being transformed because I'm believing. I'm allowing God to conform me into his image, transform me into his image. God wants us to be transformed, renewed by the way we think. Allowing ourselves to fix ourselves on his word rather than on what the world says or what other people say about me or what somebody else has said. You know, in the past, maybe it's something that has been said a long time ago. You know, and I believe that more than I believe what God says. That's a real hindrance to your uh, transformation, you know transforming power of God's word in your life. So what do we do? This is uh, what we do in Breaking Chains ministry, and Don will appreciate this. Uh, but what we do is we renounce the lie. We repent. Repentance begins with renouncing the lie. So maybe here today, some of you have you know, picked up a lie somewhere along the line. You know, maybe there's something that has interfered with your growth or your transformation process, and uh, maybe you, you feel that. But the easiest solution is this. You merely say, God, I see that I've, I've picked up a lie. I'm not believing really what you say. Like, for instance, uh, John Wesley, John and Charles Wesley. Any of you ever heard of them? Okay. They're pretty famous. I mean, they're not alive today. Not on this earth. But they're pretty famous because of the work that they did, the revival that they led, and the Methodist Church is part of the birth of, of that revival. The reason it was called the Methodist Church is because earlier in their life, they believed that if they pursued God with a certain method, they just continued to do these certain things, that, that they would somehow get closer to God, or, or they would feel like they, have, they were saved. These two guys had a terrible problem believing that they were saved. They couldn't believe that they were saved. And then one day, they came across these guys called the Moravians. The Moravians were people of faith who were praying and seeking God, and they believed in the power of the Holy Ghost and the move of the Spirit, and they believed in salvation by faith alone. Imagine this. And this relationship that they had drew them, and suddenly, after doing all of these things, these methods, after doing all these things, they finally came to the realization that it is only by faith alone. Only by faith alone. And when that happened, peace came into their heart. And for the first time, and, and this is an amazing thing, the first time in their lives, and they were both raised to, to, to be very disciplined and pursue God in these ways. And that did not bring peace into their heart, that they were truly saved. In fact, they said, you know, they weren't. Till that time, when they came to the place where they actually believed that it was only through faith in Christ Jesus. That moment, they received peace. What I'm saying to you is, we lose our peace when we step outside of that realm. When we begin to believe, you know, God's mad at me. He's not happy with me, you know, whatever it might be. He's, he's upset with me. I'm not his child anymore, you know. Uh, you believe it's salvation through faith alone? Some people don't believe that. Salvation through faith alone. Faith alone. This is what the scriptures teach. Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So that no man can boast. Only God. So for me, and what I'm saying today is just to encourage you that if there are those things that, you, you know, like you feel like you've lost your peace and maybe somebody 
you know, maybe you just feel like you, you're not doing it, you're not accomplishing, you're not fulfilling, you're not, you're not making it. You revisit the cross. Jesus died for your sins. He paid a high price for you. So we're going to pray with you today that you would just put your faith and trust in the only thing that can bring peace into your life. It's not about your work. It's not about your accomplishment. Putting your trust in him. So let's pray. Father in heaven, today we sometimes get out of step. You know, sometimes we revisit. Uh, we revisit what somebody has said or some lie that's been spoken against us in our life. Something that has been stirred up in us about how we're not fulfilling what we need to feel, fulfill. We're less than. Your word doesn't say that. Your word says that you gave all who have put their faith in you, who all have believed and received Christ Jesus in the work of the cross, you gave the right to become sons. King James Version says the power to become sons. And Lord, we just believe today that it's not by anything else that we have done, but it is by our trust in you, our trust in your accomplishment, in your work, in your power, in your grace, in your mercy. And Lord, today, I pray that you would receive all who are declaring that to you today, saying, Lord, you know, I've lost my peace because I started... Uh, Allowing the enemy to tell me something different. It's not by works that any of us should boast. It is by faith. So Lord, I just pray for a peace to come into the hearts of all those who have put their trust in you and in the cross and have received the spirit of adoption by faith. Lord, so I pray for peace today. I also pray, Lord, that this church would be a place that believes that people don't have to have it all fixed up to be included or for us to work with them or to talk to them or to teach them or to tell them the good news. And I know that's who we are. That's who this house is. But, Lord, I just feel like it's the foundation. And, Lord, we shouldn't move from that foundation. We should continue to hold fast to it. Your word declares it over and over again. And I pray, Lord, that we would hold fast, hold fast that confession. So Lord, I'm asking that all of us would trust in the power of the gospel. That as we speak the gospel and the word of God to people, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How will people hear if someone doesn't speak to them? And how will someone speak to them if they aren't sent? If they don't go? How, and Lord, so today, we're, we're just declaring that everyone here is sent by you to share the good news. Everyone here is sent by you, commissioned by you to share the good news and the word of faith. And I pray that as we share about what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, what, what he's done for us, Lord, that faith would begin to arise in the hearts and lives of those who don't know you, and they would come to Christ fruit would begin to be produced. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness to us, that we're undeserving.
that you love us, Father. You love us. You care for us, Lord, because we put our hope and trust in you. Lord, I thank you that in the days to come, in the year to come, Lord, you're going to establish good, solid, strong foundation in our lives, Lord. And it's all going to come from faith, trusting in your word, believing your word. I thank you that this church is a church of faith and that we believe in your word. We trust in your word. But Lord, where we're going, we don't, we don't build your kingdom. says you build your house because otherwise we'll be laboring in vain so Lord everything that's to come this year we pray that faith would be the central focus it would be the, the heartbeat of who we are in all things Lord let faith rise let faith be stirred within us let us not turn our eyes from the author of our faith but Lord I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you fixed on what you say. Keep our ears tuned to your voice. That we would silence the mouth of the enemy. We command the enemy silence and listen to your voice. Establish that we believe. We choose to believe what you say. And sometimes even feeling like we're stretched out, we're thin on faith, Lord, just like the man that came to you for the help with his child we, we just declare we believe, help our unbelief we know you're good, we know you're faithful and so Lord carry us along the way and even when Abraham struggled Lord you say, it's amazing, your version of that is that in the New Testament you said his faith never weakened, it only grew stronger and Lord I pray that we would see how even in the midst of the trials and the difficulties not be discouraged and hold fast to the hope that we affirm in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Today, if you'd like prayer, uh, I'm just going to ask our...